Well, it is thrilling for me to be here. And <clears throat> I love the fact that you got some people right up front. A little, little possibility the way I preach, I may spit on you, but other than that, it's going to be, and that's not good in COVID, is it? But uh, really great to have you here. I preached here, I was just thinking about this, I was sitting there, 60 years ago. Not in this building, not in this place, but across the hall there. And... Uh, and, and have preached here several times since. I hate sitting down when everybody else is standing up, but I had a little accident with my motorcycle recently and hurt my back, and that was two weeks ago. It's on, on the men, but I just can't stand for very long without it troubling me. It is wonderful to be here with the greatest friend that anybody could ever have, and that is John Simons. We've been, as he said, friends for a, a long time. And, uh, and it's just wonderful, to, anyway, to have all the interaction that we've had over the years. And uh, he was on our staff for a number of years, different times. And he was a favorite preacher in our church, including me. They even liked him better than me. And so, but anyway, I was glad no matter what gets the message across. Well, I know that you're looking at me, and some of you have never seen me before, and some of you, it's been so long, and there's been so much change that you don't even know for sure who I am. But uh, this, so you wonder what somebody at my stage in life has got to say to anybody. Well, let me tell you something. <clears throat> this is not such a bad stage of life. The kids are gone. The bills are paid. And the dog is dead. And so, it's not that bad at all. However, what I need to point out is a leader has got to be a learner. And you know something? It's more difficult for me to learn now than it was when I first started. And it's a bigger job because I've got to unlearn a whole bunch of things that once were effective and worked and reinvent myself and reinvent the church in order for the church to reach the culture of the day. And I just love it, seeing all this modern technology and to know that we're online. I'm not just sure where we are there, but we're online and people are getting the message in that way. And, and so it's just wonderful. Look, I've got to tell you, most of the churches I go to, you guys are miles ahead. I mean, they have not changed in 75 years and wonder why they're dying and declining. But there is one upside to those churches. There really is. If 1955 ever rolls around again, they'll be ready. <laughs> but that's not likely to happen. And it's just wonderful to see you guys keeping up with it. And, and this whole reinvention thing is something that is a big part of the process. It was Stephen Covey who made the statement and many of you would know of Stephen Covey wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, tremendous, famous leadership guru. And he said, nothing fails like success. Well, that's not what I'd always heard. I always heard that nothing succeeds like success. And then he went on to say, nothing fails today like the successes of yesterday. And so... In the church world, we're, we've been worse at that than any other place in that we want to hang on to the same old methods 
that once worked and we spiritualize those methods, making us make people get to thinking that there's something spiritual about them, so abandon those old method, methods that no longer work. It's just almost sin. Well, the truth of the matter is, some of the greatest things that worked, and I know all about this because I've been I was around 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, 75 years ago, 80 years ago. And so I am pretty well aware of a lot of the changes that have taken place. But some of the things that work back there that cause great success are the very things that will cause defeat in today's culture. Because the, t- the culture is so changed. Now, that doesn't mean that we ever change the message. You know, where they've tried to change the message, those kind of churches just going out of existence. They've not built anything. The church of Jesus Christ has been built by people who are born again, spirit-filled, and believe in the message that was preached 2,000 years ago. But it's the methods that need to change. Well, I want you to notice in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to read just a few verses beginning at verse 36, where Jesus was speaking, and it says, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray to get by himself to hear the voice of God. And then it goes on to say, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, this is Jesus, the Son of God, divine. Why would he be sorrowful and troubled in having to face death? I mean, didn't he have a power that could just wipe that all away? Here's what we need to remember about Jesus. He was as much man if he had never been God. And he was as much God if he'd never been man. So it was as a man that he was sorrowful and troubled. And the scripture goes on to say, overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said, stay here and keep watch with me. Well, they went to sleep. But he goes on and it says in the 39th verse, going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed. Now, here's what he prayed. And here's what we all need to pray. And we have to pray it over and over and over and over. Here's what he prayed. My father, if it be possible, may this cup pass be taken from me. Yet, here's the the key. Here's the key part of it. Not as I will, but as you will. In order for us to be a full follower of Jesus Christ. You see, there are followers... There are faithful followers, but not everybody gets to be a full follower who names the name of Jesus. And in order for me and for all of us to be a full follower, now you probably don't need what I'm preaching this morning. Maybe nobody here needs it. But sometimes we need to be reminded, and, and not only that, if you don't need it, you can pass it on to some others that maybe do need it. But in order to be a full follower... Over and over and over again, I have found it takes 
going further than I've ever gone before. It takes connecting the dots to understand what it means to be a full follower, what it means to be a disciple, and all that is involved in being a disciple and how to become that kind of a disciple and, and, and to keep going forward in that journey. Now, <clears throat> One of the things that sometimes becomes a problem is that we get stuck with things that we're comfortable with that maybe we're brought up with as when you get to be older. That oftentimes is the case. Things that the way they did things back then, you want it to continue forever or whatever. And, and that can be a massive hindrance to being a full follower a full, faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, the church, and this church, and I'm glad to see this, has introduced all kinds of changes. I'll tell you what, when I think of being here 60 years ago, <laughs> there's not one thing in this church today that resembles what took place 60 years ago. I say hallelujah, because we want to connect with a culture that we're trying to reach today without compromising with that culture. And we need to speak the language that, that reaches out to young adults, young families, etc., etc., and still minister to the whole, the whole church in, in, in every way that we can. And so, not long ago, I preached in an Anglican church. I preached in just every denomination that will invite me. And just about all of them have. And I was preaching about change. Well, you know, I don't want to be nice here, but a lot of Anglicans haven't changed in 500 years, you know, the way they do church. And I couldn't believe it. When I finished preaching, it just seemed like somebody had orchestrated. They all stood and gave a standing ovation. That didn't happen here in their first service for some reason. <laughs> I'm just joking with you all. But anyway... And, and I could not believe what I saw. I thought, what in the world is going on? But here's what I came to realize. We all love, people love hearing about change until you try to change the thing they love. And then we can revert to our selfish interests and our selfish desires. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, 4, 5 there, it says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition. You see, there's, there's a tendency we can say yes to this. Ah, we need to be a full follower. And if I was in a Pentecostal church, they'd be shouting. If I said, we need to be a full follower of Jesus Christ. And they'd say, hallelujah, amen. Maybe walk down, wave a handkerchief or something. In a Wesleyan church, they might say, Amen. And in a Baptist church, they'd be taking notes. But anyway, and I preached in all those. And they all agree until push comes to shove. And it's a decision between what I'm used to and what I enjoy, what I'm comfortable with, what I like, and what I think should be, as opposed to what is going to be best to be a full follower, to say, not what I want, not my will, in order to be a true disciple and accomplishing what needs to be accomplished. Because it goes on to say, each of you should look not only to your own interests. You see, don't we have a problem with that, some of us? 
looking to our own interests. <clears throat> but then it goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind that was in Christ Jesus that needs to be in us? It is the mind that says, not my will. So when we go a little further, we connect the dots to what that really means. It's not my selfish interest. It's his interest, his purpose for me and for his church. Then we have a better understanding of what it means to be a full follower of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what it may mean. But this is where our freedom lies. I just hope you can hear that. Freedom, freedom, freedom. It may mean going further than we've ever gone before. It may mean going further than we want to go. Understandable. And it may mean going further than we ever believed or thought we could go. And maybe with some, it could be even going a little further than what you normally thought you should go. But in order to see the work of redemption done because of what Jesus went to that cross for and why he went a little further in order for me to be in harmony with that, it may be that I need to go a little further. Now, what is going to help me to be that kind of a full follower? I just want to reiterate what Pastor John already said. I think nothing defines a full follower of Jesus Christ or characterizes a full follower of Jesus Christ with an attitude that every juncture we have that mind of Christ that says, not my will, not my comfort zone, not my tradition, but if this is what works in order to be in harmony with what Jesus went to that cross for, then you can depend upon me. I'm ready to go for it. Oh, I'm, I, I get so fired up here, I get ahead of myself uh, and what I want to say. But how, does, how do we get to that place? Well, it's, there's a great example here in the Scripture. It says three times about Jesus going further and getting in that place of prayer. So there was a place that he needed to get in order to connect the dots and go a little further. And I want you to notice two things about the place that stand out. The calmness of the place and the clearness of the plan. It was a calm place where he got a clear plan. There was no fuzziness about it whatsoever. So that calm place meant getting alone and hearing the voice that he needed to hear of every other voice. I told you John's a good friend of mine. I remember a time... We were in Dayton, Ohio, 1972, in a hotel there. And I asked John to tell me my weaknesses. Well, the dirty stinker. He did. <laughs> and, but you know, if we're going to really be fully surrendered to God's purpose and will, we do not need to hear the voices that we would like to hear. We need to hear the one voice that we need to hear all above all other voices, and that is his voice. And if we can be surrendered to that voice by saying, not my will ever, 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 but going a little further, then in that kind of surrender, the power of the Holy Spirit can come in and fill. And when it comes to making a decision between what I want and what his will is, what I like and what he wants me to do, then it's going to be an easy decision because you got the power 
of the Holy Spirit to help you to follow through. And you could say amen there if you wanted to. <laughs> Some of you did. So, as I think of all of that, I think of how wonderful it is when corporately, and that's the reason that all these online people, John, as soon as COVID is over, are going to be in the church and it's going to be going forward like never before. But anyway, and it's thank God for this great crowd here this morning. Uh, it's just great to be able to speak to you and sense your energy and how alive and alert and open you are to what God wants. And it's wonderful to be in an atmosphere where you feel the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and I sense that as we are gathered together here this morning. I remember hearing about D.L. Moody speaking in England. D.L. Moody was the evangelist of the Billy Graham of the 1800s. Had these big crusades, but he was speaking now in a local church. And after he finished speaking, this lady came up to him and said, Mr. Moody, I noticed in your sermon this morning, 14 grammatical errors. Mr. Moody said, why, sister? He said, that's all the Lord gave me. <laughs> he said, if he'd given me more, I'd use those too. Well, God blessed Moody in spite of his maybe weakness in that area because the power of the Lord was present, as the Bible says, to heal them. And I'm not making a case for lack of education. I remember hearing a friend of mine told me about a preacher he heard on the radio, and he said he was preaching against education. He said, this education, it is of the devil, D-E-V-O-L. Well, he might have been able to use a little bit, perhaps. And so to get in that place where we are hearing the voice we really need to hear, not just for our own enjoyment, but so that we can do something about what we hear. We can take steps to do, to do what God has put in our hearts to do so that there is a clear plan for us spiritually and a clear plan for his church. And we are prepared to follow through on that plan in order to be open to reaching the people that need to be reached. Dr. Paul Borden tells about a church that was just about to close, a great big old church, and it kept declining. So they had to have a come-to-Jesus moment, and he pointed out to them that they had to make some drastic changes, especially in the music. And, and so they did. They brought in the contemporary music, and, of course, the dear people, they realized it's either do or die. And there were these elderly ladies that sat in the back all these, every Sunday at the same, in the same place. One of the persons in that row would sit in the middle, and she had a bag full of cotton balls, and she passed those balls out for people to stuff their ears because of the volume. That, that, you guys are mild here compared with a lot of places I've been. I mean, in order to connect with the young people, sometimes the volume has to be so loud that it's, you just feel it pounding your chest. It's so loud. Well, I say hallelujah. If that can help us to reach some young people, then so be it. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I'm, I, I know this is going to be tough for a few people, but God bless you. You'll, you'll get through it. And uh, <laughs> always is. So 
So anyway, and then the music would start, and these dear old girls, they would get up, and they would get into it, and they would clap and do whatever in order to get in tune with it. You know something? Those girls were set free. If they'd been sitting there fussing and half mad, and oh, man, they got to turn this volume down, you know, and all, all that. You know, people say to me, listen, if you don't cater to the older people, you'll lose them, and they're the people with the money. You know what I say to that? Nonsense. If they become full followers of Jesus Christ and connect the dots to be a true disciple, their heart will be to reach the lost by whatever means we need to take to reach the lost. And regardless of whether the volume is too much, the lighting is too much, the changes are too much, the, the, the dress style, John could dress up a little bit there, but uh, the dress style is, is too much or whatever, you know. So be it. Who cares as long as the message is getting through? That is what it is to be a full follower of Jesus Christ. It's not about me. Hallelujah. Boy, that's where the freedom lies too. I guess I said that a few times, but it needs to be said maybe more than once. I remember at Beulah Camp, some of you would have heard of that place, uh, conference center, a camp meeting. I was, in those days, I was the chairman. And we had a minister of music that was catering to the morning crowd, which was an older crowd of people. And he got up and he made a big speech about he was opposed to this contemporary stuff that was being introduced. He was for the old hymns. Now, I'm for the old hymns too. Whatever speaks the language of the people we need to be ministering to, I'm, I'm 100% for that. But we gotta, we got to think of everybody we need to be reaching. And so he said, I am, and he, he more or less put the contemporary music in a class of being of the devil. Am I doing anything wrong here? I hear a little noise. Down a little bit? Yeah. There we go. And, um, and so at lunchtime, I said, what do you mean? Oh, he, oh, I'm, I left out something else very important. He said, I'm of the old school. Oh, my. Do I ever hate that term? And I said, what do you mean you're of the old school? And he repeated what he said up there. I said, you stick to that school, and pretty soon there's not going to be a school. Because you will have alienated generation after generation after generation after generation by not having the kind of music that speaks their language. And those people that you're catering to now will have died off. So you won't have anybody left. And that's what's happening in a good many places that I go. And somehow or another, if we can understand what it means to be a full follower of Jesus Christ, it will not be about my likes and my comfort. It will be about what can best reach a lost world for Jesus Christ. So there needs to be continually to connect the culture. New plans, new approaches, Innovative. I think the church, oh, I love saying this. I think the church of Jesus Christ ought to be the most creative, dynamic, innovative force in any given community to the glory of God rather than the cow's tail that's 100 years old. It's a little weak, but listen, that's better than nothing. God bless you. I, I just praise God. Paul, the apostle, is Acts 17.1, if you ever want to look there sometime, he used to go around and, and he was, you know, I, it's just unbelievable to me what Paul was able to accomplish. 
It's just unbelievable. But what he would do, he would go into the synagogue and says, as his method was. That was his method in that day. Would that method work today in order for us to reach the lost for Christ? That's an outdated method that was long ago. A method that no longer worked. And so we have to be innovative and creative. And God can make us that way if we are open and we are willing to be full followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let me talk about the price that there is in being a full follower. And many people are not quite there yet sometimes to pay the price. But Jesus paid an unbelievable price. We see how that he was willing in verse 42. It talks about, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible. That was not the word. Yes, it was the word was no. Can't. So in order to pay the price, it may be for some of us, it was for Jesus, and it was for me in order to be a full follower. He had to endure a word of refusal in order to do the work of redemption, a word of refusal, in order to be able to do the work of redemption. Now, for Jesus, it meant death. Most likely will never mean that for any of us. But most places where God is working in a great way, there have been some opposition and some criticism and people wanting it the way they always had it, and all that kind of thing. When I first went to Moncton, we had to introduce changes like you would not believe in order to see the church go forward, and we had a militant group that were strongly opposed to me. And I was, I tell you, the rejection, the feeling of rejection, I think is about the worst feeling any of us can ever feel. And, and, and I wanted to be out of there and Go to Timbuktu. I, if, I had, if I could go to an island where nobody knew me, whatever, I was just, I was so battle-worn and battle-weary with all the pushback that we're receiving. But listen, listen, let me tell you, I knew I had to go a little further. I had to be a full follower. And if Jesus was willing to die for me for his cause, then that was a small price for me to pay. There was a group of people or a person that got a, a petition up to vote me out. Can you imagine anybody wanting to vote me out? <laughs> no, I'm not expecting you to agree with that. I got a petition to vote me out. I wanted to go so bad, I signed the petition. <laughs> I wanted to go more than anybody ever wanted me to go. I really did. But I knew I had to go a little further. Not only did we get opposition internally, we get opposition externally. I was asked to be on a CBC program. It was heard across Canada. And they had a devil's advocate, a liberal pastor, and, and, and me, and I was the principal person they were interviewing. And, but they first of all started out by asking this liberal pastor, they said, what do you think of the growth of the Moncton Wesleyan Church? He had a very deep masculine voice. He said, to say that I am perturbed will be putting it mildly. He said, all they're interested in is in numbers, in quantity. He said, I happen to be interested in quality. He said, I have been a pastor for 
26 years, and I've never invited anybody to my church yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe that was a good thing. So then they asked me, they said, what is the budget of your church? Well, at the time, the budget of our church was larger than any others in the city. And this guy, he, he was not ready for that, to hear that. He said, where, where do you get that kind of money? He said, I, th I think he forgot he was on the radio. And I said, well, it's like this. We have got a quality of people. Connect the dots. That see everybody in the city, they're going to heaven or hell. And they're willing to tithe and give of their offerings in order to see more people get to heaven. They were willing to go a little further and step out in faith and obedience and tithe their income and believe God to take care. And that was one of the reasons that God brought his blessing on this. But I got to tell you this. Forgot to tell you, say this in the first service. That guy got born again, that preacher. And I invited him to preach in my church. Isn't that wonderful? Think what God can do to make a change like that. So the price, in order to do the work of redemption. Now that's the big issue. Making the main thing the main thing, which is to see the loss come. Now, let me say this. I don't care what we do to reach the lost as long as it's not sin. And it may be that we have to reach them on their level, which maybe people think of C as entertaining. We used to get accused of entertaining, and I used to look upon it as a compliment because we're trying to get on their level to connect with where they are, and then once we get them here, we will teach them what it means to be a disciple, to go from a consumer uh, to, to being a contributor and being what it see what it really means to become a true disciple. But anyway, a word of rejection do the... Oh, oh, I knew there was something else here floating around. I think I, I, think I need to help us to fully understand what this is going to take. I love being inspired. You like being inspired? I love the feeling of inspiration. I love listening to an inspiring sermon, inspiring music. Well, I'm not crazy about music, but I love inspiring whatever can inspire. But inspiration is the worst fuel on which to run the spiritual motor. Because Let me explain this. Once you, if you're depending upon inspiration to keep you going, you're going to run into rejection. And once you run into rejection... No matter how inspired you may be. You may think you're more inspired now than you could ever be. And you could tear the world apart and put it back together again. But the minute you face rejection, inspire, inspiration evaporates. If that's what you're depending on. It goes down the tubes. So what do we need to depend upon? I'll tell you what we need to depend upon is what Nehemiah depended upon when he was trying to build those walls around Jerusalem and he had all kinds of opposition, people trying to kill him on the outside, people trying to kill him on the inside. And in spite of that awful circumstance, he stood before the people and he said, we will arise and we will build. What was that? It was the power of commitment. He was committed to do what was right to do, whether he was inspired to do it or not. And when we are committed to going further, 
We are committed to connecting the dots. We are committed to being a full follower of Jesus Christ. That is when we are set free to be an example and an influence like we never dreamed possible. Let me talk about that price in order to do the work of redemption. I um, heard about a black church that was kind of flat. The pastor came there from places where he'd seen great things happen, and nothing was happening. So he got up before the people and thought it's nothing to lose, so he decided to kind of nail them a little bit. He said, this church has been sitting too long. By the way, I preach in black churches, and the way they respond, I'm glad you're not responding that way because I'll I become a wild man if you respond the way they do in those black churches. I mean, I have profound thoughts like I never had before in all my life and just about go crazy because they repeat after you and they clap and cheer and so on and so on. Well, anyway, he was in this black church. Uh, uh, he was preaching, and he said, this church has been sitting too long. They said, oh, yeah, we've been sitting too long. He said, this church... It needs to walk. They said, oh, yeah, let her walk. Let her walk. And he was getting a little encouraged because he hadn't been getting that kind of response. And he thought of another one. He said, this church, it needs to march. They said, oh, yes, let her march. Let her march. He said, this church, it needs to run. They said, oh, yeah, let her run. Let her run. And boy, he was really getting wound and feeling good. He said, this church, it needs to fly. They said, oh, yeah. Let her fly. Let her fly. He said, it takes money to fly. They said, let her sit. Let her sit. <laughs> now, here's the deal. I want, hope we connect the dots. There's a price for all of us to pay. And there's going to be situations and circumstances where it's not going to be what we want to do. But if a church is going to fly and be everything God intended for the church to be, we will need to be the number one people that will be behind whatever it is that's being proposed that will help us to reach more people for Jesus Christ. People ask me all the time, ah, crazy watch. goes faster up here and does down there. People ask me all the time, they say, what has caused the church, your church to grow all those years? Well, it didn't grow every year, but it, over the years it continued to grow. I said, well, it's complex, it's complicated. But if you want a simple answer, here is the simple answer. People have moved from a selfish agenda to an unselfish agenda. Now, that's when you become a full follower, when you move from your own agenda to his agenda. See what I'm saying? They move from a selfish agenda to an unselfish agenda. They move from a way of thinking which is dictated by, is this what I enjoy? Is this my cup of tea? Is this what's going to make me happy? Is this what I'm used to? Is this the way I think it ought to be done? Et cetera, et cetera. Me, 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 me. Now listen, you know very well that's not being a full follower. They move from that agenda to an unselfish agenda. 
that says, look, whether I like it or not, whether it's what I enjoy or not, whether it's what I've been brought up in or not, if this is going to help us to see more people come to know Jesus, then I am 100% behind it. And you know something? Older people, now I'm talking about others, of course. Older people have difficulty with change. Now, it's not only older, because I've seen some people in their 20s who are old as the hills, but older people, because their comfort, their peace, their tranquility is in things remaining the same. And so, if that gets messed up or if that uh, gets jarred, it gives them a bad feeling. And so, what they tend to do, they tend to interpret that bad feeling I wouldn't be having this bad feeling if there wasn't something bad about what is being proposed. And it could be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Now, that doesn't impress you. But I was around when they first started slicing bread. I really was. And I'm telling you what, that was a happy day. There were some, I mean, to come home with bread that was already sliced. Who could believe it? But there were some of those old fogies. Oh, I remember before they started slicing bread. It tasted a lot better when they, good old days, when they didn't use to slice the bread, you know. Same old, same old. So this, if we, this will help us to understand ourselves a little bit and, and our reactions sometimes. And here's what happened. Here's the result. John, I'm circling the field. I'm looking for a place to land. Please pray for the fog to rise, will you, so I can get in and land this plane? Anyway, I, uh, I interrupted myself on what in the world was I going to say. This <laughs> tough. What was I talking about? You better remember. Were you paying attention? I mean, I, people say, uh, people say to me, "What? What did you preach about last Sunday?" I don't even remember what I preached about myself last Sunday. So how do I expect anybody else to remember what I preached about? But, huh? Oh, sliced bread. Yeah. Well, I, I was working my way away from sliced bread. It's dinner time, and we need to uh, thank you very much. So that's uh, that. That is fantastic. I appreciate your help there. So, oh yeah, I know what it was. I know what it was. Here's a crazy thing that happened. It was just so exciting. We had older people who could hardly stand the changes humanly. That loud, crazy banging and crashing on the platform, all that lighting that gets in my eyes, etc., etc., etc. But here's what they, here's what most of them became, because they understood what a full follower was. They would say, "Ha, huh, don't like it." But I'm for it. And I'm glad to see it done because it's causing my, grand, my children to come to Christ. I'm seeing my grandchildren come to Christ because the church is relevant in its methodology of reaching them. Now, the price. Now, here is the peace that comes when we are full 100% followers of Jesus Christ. There will be the ceasing of the battle, the ceasing of the battle internally as well as the ceasing of the battle corporately, because we have resigned ourselves to connecting the dots, going further than we ever have gone, 
in order to see that work of redemption being done. And there is a great feeling that comes from all that. I preached along this line in a, in a great church, not before COVID. And the place was packed and the people were fired up. And if I got up and said, Mary had a little lamb, they'd have shouted and clapped their hands and everything else. They were so f- enthusiastic about what God was doing. But there's not all of them are on that page. <clears throat> this person, one person that heard me speak, sent this to on the communication card and then it got passed on to me. Wow, exclamation mark. What an eye-opener, a reminder of what we are here for. I had an awakening moment today. It is not about me. I say hallelujah. That is being, that's finding out what it really means to be a full disciple, a Christ follower. It is all about his will, and the greater good. I focus so much on what I deserve. That's our natural tendency, but we got to fight that. It is not about that at all. If I change my thinking, faith, and perspective, here it is, here it is, here it is, God's will is greatest for me. If we can get there by connecting the dots. Going a little further. Now, the season of the battle, commencing of the blessing. Oh, my. Oh, my. I could, I could spend all day telling you stories about that blessing as a result of going a little further. But I'm going to tell you one. The Sunday before I finished pastoring the church after 45 years, we had a baptism in which, and it was just a, now, anybody were there for that baptism, we, they would have thought we were Pentecostal. Because, I mean, people were crying and crying and shouting and raising their hands. And it was just one energized, exciting place. And, and we baptized on that day 101 people. Now, let me tell you something. That made whatever pain it took to go a little further all those years 100% worth going a little further and connecting the dots. And number 101 was my granddaughter. Oh, hallelujah. Now, we had about five or ten different factions in the church, different backgrounds, but there were never fighting factions because everybody was surrendered to the purpose of the church, which was simply this, using every available means at every available time to reach every available person in every available place. Everything we are and everything we do is for that purpose. The fog is lifted. I'm not landed yet, but I'm headed there. There's a man by the name of Peter Apples who fought in the Civil War. And his company was given the command to advance, but the enemy was too much. And so they were given the command to retreat. But Peter Apples was not the retreating kind. He was the go-a-little-further kind. And somehow or another, he got over across no man's land without getting killed, jumped down in a trench where all the enemy soldiers were. He made contact with the first enemy soldier he saw, knocked him out, threw him up on the ground, 
jumped up and put him over his shoulder, headed back to his own company with all the enemy guns pointed at him. But nobody dared to fire for fear they'd shoot their own man. And he got over to where his command, now you just think about this. He got over, I, I just, it's almost unimaginable. Got over to where his commanding officer was, and he threw this guy down in front of his commanding officer. And the commanding officer was horrified. He said, where did you get him? Peter Apple said, oh, he said, over yonder there. He said, there's plenty of them over there. He said, you could have all had one if you'd wanted one. And I'm telling you, friends, when we go a little further, we forget about ourselves. We connect the dots. We say, not my will in all circumstances, but your will be done. Then we will see enemy territory being invaded to the glory of God and the church alive and well and going strong like never before. 